0: Hello and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming, uh, presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash CNE Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times, as well as how gaming affects us. If you're here with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. But before that, our topic today is distraction and avoidance. And for more on that, I'm going to pass it over to Mitra and Dr. B. Uh, hi, everyone. I think hi, we were everyone.
1: mentioning there's an echo.
0: There is an echo. Is there already an echo? Really? There is an echo. Apparently. There, the echo is done. I don't know why it undoes that every time. I'm going to. That's my goal for the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> Good How's stuff. It,
2: how we sounding now? Oh, Doctor B, hear muted. you, Doctor B. That's just fine. I just, you know, no, I want to continue talking <laughs> about all the
0: things. Oh, that
1: I... <laughs> <laughs> I can now hear you. <laughs>
0: we we this this uh, this series will just uh, start off as an audio problem every time. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll get to the mental health stuff later. <laughs> yeah, no, we're just going to gonna do the thing. Yep. But, uh, Mitra, Dr. B, who, who are you both? And, um,
1: yeah. We- sure. So, I'm a therapist um, in private practice in Victoria, British Columbia. I have an interest in games and mental health, um, as well as in culture, multiracial, multicultural people, and I work with families adults
2: sometimes kids there we go uh i'm uh, rafael bucamazzo better known as dr <laughs> b i'm the clinical director of take this i have a doctorate in clinical psychology i am not a practitioner at this point but i am clinically trained i do nothing but um, uh, policy and, tr- and education these days Uh, But I'm also the co-author of uh, Gardens of Fog, a mental health charity module for uh, 5th edition available on the DMs Guild, and I get to hang out with these folks every week, and it's amazing. (laughs) It is fun.
0: (laughs) So, uh, avoidance and distraction, uh, where do you both want to start on this? Well, I don't want to talk about it.
1: (laughs) Can we just, like, ooh, Shiny. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I don't i don't want to talk about this this is a this is a difficult topic why would we talk about this
0: <laughs> for you know you know th- something to do is this going to be like the HUD sucker proxy you know for the kids see you know we might learn something about it and get better from it and then it would just be a distraction oh all right hey hey mitra
2: <laughs> hey <laughs> mitra hey dr like, b i'm doing the i'm doing the harry Carry thing again of hey hey
1: hey, hey. <laughs> hey mitra it's your trademark if, if you had <laughs> I like to, it.
2: if you had to choose between avoidance and distraction, which one would you choose?
1: I choose distraction every time
2: that's a smart de- that's a smart decision why <laughs> But why what's the difference
1: If you're distracting, it is a strategy to cope with something that's maybe highly anxious making for you, and it is a tool to slow things down, sometimes regulate yourself and by regulate, I mean calm down in the body. Um, so that you can ultimately come away refreshed and more focused to manage the thing, whatever the thing might be—studying for the difficult exam, or confronting someone, or any of those things that are scary to do—and we start to feel anxious about them. So. Uh huh.
2: Uh
1: huh.
2: Well, the, um, to to to, uh, to build on that, one of the one of the things that when I when I talk to folks about the difference between avoidance and distraction um the simple distinction i make is that avoidance well let's start with distraction distraction is taking a break and just saying i can handle this later just not right now Mm -hmm. avoidance is going la 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 i can't do this la 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 and it ends up being uh in in the cases of many different mental health diagnoses it can actually perpetuate those whereas distraction does not but the real tricky part is from the outside they can look the same. Mhm.
1: That's right.
2: So yeah. We'll
1: be... <laughs> so That's how you tell fun. The I, I, I do you I I what's funny is I do feel like we
0: are like we are trying to avoid like this because because it is uh it's it's one that is hard to identify I think. Like that that was something like when we had our meeting yesterday that I was trying to really get through was like okay, so Which one of these would be an avoidance, which one of these would be a distraction? I think the one that, I i I think the example that I finally got was if I had a paper due and I was really nervous about it and everything, I was like, I just need a break. I'm going to play video games for a bit and get my mind off of it. If I came, if I finished playing the the game and came away from it going, I still have that paper to do, god dang it. That was avoidance. But if I came away from it, I'm like, all right, I'm recharged now. I'm ready to take on this paper. That was distraction. That's mm-hmm. The distraction is letting me recharge and get yeah. everything mm-hmm. back in there. Basically,
1: yeah. A, yeah, there's another, another piece to it that can be really useful to think about. Um, sometimes we've done everything we can, and now we're just mm-hmm. sitting there worried. Maybe we have studied for the exam. And we're fine. Like we've actually learned everything we need to learn to the point that when we look at it again, we're like, okay, I'm just going over the same material. I already, I'm okay. I know this. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're super anxious at that point anyway. That's when distraction is really useful. I've done all the things. There's nothing more I can do. It's better to soothe myself and come into something refreshed, rested. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's also a way to differentiate You know, I haven't studied and I'm like, la, 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 I don't even want to think about this. Ooh, look at this. I can just play over here for a while. I can play a game or whatever. Um, That's when it's probably avoidance.
0: My entire high school career. Got it. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. My, you know, I was a great procrastinator. um, Oh, yeah. And I definitely used avoidance at those times. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. It took a while to figure out when and what I could use to distract myself and what would turn from distraction into being much more avoidant behavior. So, because there's something like, how do you know the difference? Well, I think it's partly your approach to whatever it is that you're anxious about and your perhaps past behaviors around it can certainly give you a clue. So, if I know I'm always procrastinating when I have a pay-per-due or if I have a difficult phone call to make or, some, or leaving the house for some people can be anxiety-making, if I know I'm finding a lot of ways to procrastinate and then eventually it's to the point where I'm not going anywhere, that procrastination has been a form of avoidance and I've distracted myself to the point now where I am just avoidant, right? It's mm-hmm. like I didn't want to look at this And now time has passed and I can actually no longer go out to do the thing. And I'm feeling immense relief and I'm just going to get on with my other things. And that's Mm -hmm. when I used avoidance, right? If I'm distracting myself, I might say, okay, yeah, you're scared to leave the house, but there's this thing once you go that you know is going to make you feel good. Or if it's like, I really don't want to do the walk or the hike or the exercise that I know my body needs, but hey, I'll put a podcast on while I'm doing it. That way Mm. I won't think about this is hard and I'm bored or whatever. So do you see how distraction can then be really a handy strategy for coping with something? Sure. As opposed to I'm not going to avoid. How's that sound?
2: Uh, (laughs) Well, and it it sounds like what we're talking about is that, um, that really the difference between the two has to do with how we think about it. Yeah. Um, You know, can I do the thing or can I really not do the thing? Or like, am I basically, am I capable, just not right now, or am I not capable of doing in the future? Or is this like so bad that I don't want to do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it? And um, if I'm hearing you correctly, that's really where the difference is.
1: Yeah, and it's, am I feeling overwhelmed by this thing? Is it just kind of like tiredness or I'm so overwhelmed and maybe I feel demoralized about doing it? You know, I was never... Math was not my strength, and so I was never particularly good at stats when I was going through mm. my degree. And don't even get me started about master's level statistics. But uh, but when I was doing my undergrad, I was full on in avoidance in terms of doing stats. I would put it off. I would do other things. I'd clean out the toilets. You know, you name it, and I'd probably do it instead of looking at my stats because I felt so demoralized, and I felt I didn't feel like I had the capacity to actually do it. When I was doing my master's, what I did instead was I got a stats tutor, and that was really helpful. And that made okay. made it so that I felt when I was sitting down to the work I was doing, I didn't feel demoralized. I knew I had help. I knew if there was something I didn't know how to do, I could set it aside and I could chat with the tutor later. I could get through what I could do, and I mm-hmm. could set the rest aside and get help, and so... Yeah, occasionally i distract a little or i take a break, but it wasn't so hard to come back to. It wasn't that sense of overwhelm and demoralization. So I'd say those are key aspects to this.
0: It, I'm, I'm going to take it back a, a little bit to when you were talking about the podcast thing. Because you're like, like, I'm just going to put a podcast in to like, distract myself. I, I was going to jokingly, you know, uh, put out a tweet yesterday. It's like, oh, let's find out if my addiction to podcasting is a, a void and sort of distraction. <laughs> but but the thing is, as you're talking about that, the way I got into podcasts, like listening to them, not making them. This would have been weird if I was making them there. Uh, but I, I got into them because I had a job where I was a parking lot attendant. And my job was to sit in a chair outside outside and write down car information everything and i put a podcast in and listen and the reason why i did that is because it would uh if i didn't it was like bad for my mental health of just sitting out there not talking to anyone being ignored yeah. having no social interaction whatsoever or anything like that and just being stuck there and so having a podcast on had just people talking in my ear and was a distraction from it And and I was like, okay, but what would have been avoidance? Like, well, avoidance would have been getting so into the podcast I didn't write down any of the car information. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: Avoidance could also look like calling in sick. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, not tackling it at all. Mm -hmm. Because that is what happens sometimes. So, you found a way to do the job that you needed for the income and all that. Uh, You found a way to cope with it. So, often... Distraction it, is a coping tool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yo, yeah. it, like it, it. got to the point, like, where some days I'm like, "Oh, I got a Saturday shift. Awesome. Weekend confirm comes out. I'm gonna listen to that. I cannot wait to listen to that episode. And I can only listen to it while I'm at work. So it, yeah, yeah the, the, that way worked out. Now making podcasts, you know, end over end. I I don't know what that is. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: the, one of the one of the trickiest parts about all this is the fact that outwardly the again the behavior can look the same-hmm okay like the for me in call in grad school we we dubbed this productive procrastination <laughs> where oh look I have a paper I need to be writing oh what kitchen oh you're so <laughs> dirty. Oh, that, that actually did sound dirty for a moment there. Um, but the, the, oh, I got to clean the kitchen. Well, I guess this paper needs to wait a little bit. But what, what ends up happening in a lot of those cases is, um, at least for me, and I'm going to speak just for me, because the outward behavior can look the same. It's the internal way we think about it that's so different, which really makes the difference between distraction and avoidance. Um, in those moments, it allows me to turn my brain off. Because often, like Mitra mentioned, um, I'm very open about the fact that I'm autistic and I I get locked into thoughts. I get locked into things. And much like Mitra mentioned, I can ruminate again and again and again and again. And I'm really not actually being effective with things. For me, sometimes those distraction behaviors are a way of stopping the rumination and getting sort of out of that tunnel vision. And it allows me to think about things in a different way, um, which is advantageous to me when i actually tackle the issue um i don't know if you know for anybody who's watching this who's a content creator i'm sure you've had this experience where you're so close to a topic you can't see anything but the thing you're failing at in creating Mm -hmm. the thing and then you're like i can't walk away i can't walk away but you do for like a day Mm -hmm. and then you come back to it and suddenly Oh, this is what I was worried about. Oh, I can fix this. It's sometimes distraction behaviors are really helpful in that respect, not just to sort of break us out of that tunnel vision.
0: Mhm.
1: Absolutely. And as someone who deals with ADHD, I know all about distraction, good, bad, the ugly of it all. But I have learned that sometimes when we're feeling overwhelmed and just need to regulate taking a minute to distract with something that is soothing to us or pleasant to us actually really helps us come back to the task that is more challenging. So, so I guess the bigger question here is then is like, okay, it can look the same from the outside. So what sorts of things can you ask or what sorts of ways can you understand what's actually going on for someone else? your spouse, your friend, your kids like how can you tell whether what they're doing is kind of productive as a form of distraction or uh, compromising of their life if it's some kind of avoidance how do we know? So
2: well for me it's am I actually accomplishing the goals I want to accomplish? Mm-hmm. You know that's that's first and foremost if if um, you know we we joked about this that like, there are certain video games I just can't play. I not when mm. I not when I have things to do, because I get way too into them. I Skyrim um, for, the, <laughs> for the fifteen gajillionth time, and I swear this time I'll be a battle mage instead of a sneaky archer. Oh, that, that's the that's I'll the real it. lie. I'll actually do it, <laughs> but it's. Uh, if I, you know, if I'm using certain things that I can pick up and put down, and and that's where figuring out what's what's a good distraction behavior for me, um, is a good thing. Like I I mentioned this to you both yesterday. This is part of the reason I'm such a fanboy for idle champions is because I can pick it up and put it down easily. Okay, it's it's not something I have to go on a two hour quest to get the latest Daedra artifact. It's, yeah. um, I can optimize, I can count some things, which makes autism brain real happy. And, um, <laughs> then I can, then I put it down and go do what I do. It's real cool. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of figuring out where certain things that I think are, com- cause both distraction and avoidance in the moment can be comforting mm-hmm. in the short term. Both of them are comforting. Mm hmm. But it's where I'm looking at the long term, um, long term effects, and why I can't play
0: Skyrim when I have things to do.
1: Yeah, or starting can't can't Valley World to a, a more
2: limited extent.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, r- real quick, the thing I want to put in there is like th- this is why I find games that have like that don't have quick save just so annoying. I'm just like <sighs> I I gotta I need to I can't I can't I gotta and I'm gonna lose. Okay,
1: bye. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah i think that it is important that you have points at which you can stop mm-hmm. so that you can go do those other things and i mm-hmm. do find that with certain games that's harder i used to log into world of warcraft and i love wow i really do but i'd log in and I'd be like okay i'm i'm just going to do this one task or i'm just going to do my dailies and then before you know it you know 2 hours have passed and so it's like it's great and it's not a problem if you can budget the time for it and so that you can think about all right. I'm, or if you're the sort of person who really can get in there and just do your dailies and then leave, you know, but you have to determine whether that's something that works for you. And this is where you have to determine how and what kinds of distractions are going to work effectively for you to give you that refresh you need, that regulation you're looking for to get on with your day. Um yeah or yeah. you're playing it on a weekend where you've budgeted the time and you don't have to worry about it and it's not interfering with other things <laughs> but that's oh, the yeah. question is it interfering <laughs> <Yeah. I can't. laughs> what is that
2: <laughs> well there so funny story um <laughs> funny story in my early 30s um i was somewhat involved with the indie film scene here in the seattle area and uh, i did some stunt work for a music video and I, after an entire night of getting slammed into a marble countertop when I was 31, uh, moving like I was 21 and still doing Kung Fu, uh, I woke up the next morning in excruciating pain because, oops, I tore my intercostals, which is the ribs between. Um, but Ugh. here's here's Ow. where the funny part comes in. Because <laughs> that's not funny. Well, kind of is now in retrospect. My ribs are just thinking about it. The shot <laughs> looked really good. The shot looked that's really good. good. Um, but, that's great. But... Um, I end up spending the entire week on the couch playing Skyrim between and naps.
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> because I can't just... I can't... Uh, just like uh, Fus Roda. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but see, that's perfect, right? That's a perfect time because there's nothing else you could have done and it kept you from moving and using your body when exactly. really it needed to heal. So. Exactly.
0: The, it it it's really weird for me how sick days have, have, I've looked at them over my life. Cause as a little kid, you know, I got sick. I was like, I get to watch Rugrats this morning. Heck yes. Yeah. And then when I got further into school and stuff, I, I was like, oh crap, I, I can't get sick right now. I'm going to fall behind. Like I need to be at all these classes. This is terrible. This is... And then it went to the point where like when I was working at an office job, I'd get sick. I'm like, oh my God, I just get to do nothing. And I can't do anything else. I'm forced to do nothing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I should be doing this, but I can't. <laughs>
2: Champions of psychology does not endorse deliberately getting sick or injured yeah. No, 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 well. no,
0: not at all.
1: We really no. Don't. That's <laughs> it, like I wouldn't
0: deliberately do it. It was just like, if it happened, I'd be like. I, I'm like I hate this. I hate feeling like this. But at the same time, I can just lay here and watch Star Wars, and I don't, and I can't, and I don't feel guilty about it because I can't feel guilty about it.
2: Well, that's where distraction's a wonderful thing. That I mean, it it, it distraction behavior as opposed to avoidance behavior can help break us out of those, can often help break us out of those ruminations, those sort of tunnel visions with our thoughts that um, it's just, it's super, super helpful, at least for me. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's, it's,
2: so, it's a heck of a hump to get over, to get to that point where you've, where I've got that tunnel vision and I'm like, ah, I don't want to give this thing up. I don't want to give this thing up. Oh, I can't stop it. I can't stop it. Oh my God. Ooh, Stardew Valley.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so the question becomes, you know, am I taking a break from something or do I just not want to look at it? Mm -hmm. And that's a way to also determine which one you're doing. I'm just really tired and I need a little time to refresh and I'm going to do this fun thing first and then I'm going to get into the thing I'm doing. And it's partly knowing yourself as well. Can you do that? And what are we choosing in that moment to distract ourselves with? And is it something we can set down? So, Mm -hmm. because that's a really important part of it. Like if I, if I know I can set it down and it's going to give me that little break I need, that's perfect. But if I know I'm going to not pick up this thing because I'm feeling overwhelmed, demoralized, just it's all too much, then I need a different coping strategy or a different distraction.
0: Wow. One of the things that um, y- you both were talking about yesterday in our meeting that I-, I do think would be a good thing to talk about here was locus of control mm-hmm. um, uh, and, um, you know, defining that first for uh, the-, the viewers and listeners and then talking about how that relates to this.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's a it's a challenge rating five psionic uh, insect <laughs> <and> <laughs> The locust of locust con- oh, locust locus. <laughs> <laughs> no got it. Um, <laughs> Wow! I can't believe I just combined. I can't believe I just combined psychology (laughs) and D and (laughs) D into one terrible
1: joke. That's a lobster of control. It was perfect. (laughs) Welcome to champions of of psychology. My
2: my student loans are worth it.
1: Seriously, though. <laughs> I'm trying here. If the ADHD person is bringing oh, you know. back on track, what no. is going on?
0: <laughs> and, and and the other one was over here just thinking about the lobster of control, just casting spells. I'm sorry!
1: <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up! It's a giant flying psionic
2: grasshopper. It's the locust of control. They eat mind flayer crops. <laughs>
0: So what what is locus of control?
2: Uh, Mitra, you want to take this one?
1: Sure. Since
0: I've derailed everything. Oh. <laughs> I
2: thought you did a really
1: good job yesterday, but okay, I'll have a crack at it. Uh, so there are two locuses of control. There's the internal or external. So an internal locus of control is when you believe you're capable of doing something or tackling something or managing something. So you're saying to yourself, Uh, Say, let's look at weight loss. Let's look at exercise or something, okay? Because that's usually a good one. Um, And we say with weight loss, the pounds just aren't coming off. I can't, you know, and you want to lose weight. Let's not look, you know, I'm not trying to pathologize anybody's physical or body choices here. I'm just saying, say you have that as a goal. You're like, "I just the pounds aren't coming off, but, you know, here's a strategy I can use, and I'm going to try this next time. And I'm just going to try to eat healthy and take it slow." That is an internal locus of control. In other words, you feel like the motivation for your progress, progress lies with you. You're like, "I can take charge of this. I can try this strategy or that one." An external locus of control looks like, "The pounds just aren't coming off." I'm sure it's my hormones. It's nothing to do with me. Why does food taste good? You know, it's not my fault. And, you know, I went out yesterday and my mom bought me this really big burger and it was, you know, it was delicious. But she bought it. Maybe she shouldn't have bought it for me. And that's where your locus of control is external. So
2: I thought we were were avoiding blaming mothers here. Um, (laughs) We are avoiding (laughs) blaming. I'm a mother. Nobody blames me.
1: I mean they blame me a lot. Like that's you <laughs> I'll pay for that therapy. What do they want? No. <laughs> yeah, but I think the point is do we blame or do we do we feel like in order to cope with something we have to blame an outside force? That prof was unfair, they gave me a poor grade, I know I did well. Or are we taking responsibility? I know that maybe there was something I missed when I did that exam or that paper. Maybe there was something I could have added. Maybe that's what I'll do next time. And that's the internal locus. So, yeah.
2: Well, and that's, I mean, that becomes important to a variety, um, to a variety of um, mental health challenges as well. Mm -hmm. that locus of control and distraction versus avoidance i mean with with distraction behavior i can handle this it it, i mean distraction behavior often does have a more internalized sense of control i can handle this i can make a difference just not in this moment whereas uh avoidance behavior is you know i i can't do much about this there's a helplessness that comes with a more external locus of control um which is, I mean, that's, that's characteristic of certain models of depression that um, basically there's nothing I can do about this. There's a helplessness that comes with certain models of depression. Um, and I know at least back when I was working with people, helping to empower and create more of an internal locus of control was, was a big part of what we would do so often because um, partially because regardless of regardless of the diagnosis and i i suspect mitra you would agree with this regardless of the diagnosis um some two people with the same diagnosis coming in and one who's like nothing can ever change there's nothing i can do about this and one person who's like you know maybe things can get better let's see how there's a big difference in both how they present and their outcomes
1: absolutely there's a difference because there's a difference in terms of readiness. To, to work and willingness to kind of look at what can change here, what can't. And it's, it's a, a big part of therapy and making changes in one's life has to do with what can I actually change in my life or in my environment that's gonna help me cope better with things. And what things truly can't be changed. You know, if we have a relationship with maybe a, a challenging parent, or sibling, or or relative, or just friend, we can say, what about my interactions with them? Can I change? I can't change their interactions, but maybe if I make some changes in mine, that can affect some change. Or maybe if I deal with my studying better, that can affect some change. But if you believe there's no change that you can affect, then yeah, that leaves you feeling more helpless and and a little more hopeless as well. And that's, that's a tough place to be. Mm -hmm. And then distraction most certainly becomes avoidance in those moments. So that's the connection we're talking about.
0: Um, I think we're going to take a break there to to remind our viewers and listeners of our disclaimer. Uh, And then after that, we'll get to another point on this. Uh, Champion psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in the in research and the personal experiences uh, and self-disclosures of the host. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your best judgment. Um one of the things that I wanted to uh bring up in, in our the, the document that we have that has our, our points here is the role of avoidance in uh perpetuating various diagnoses. So what 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 does that have to do with each other? Like what where is the relationship there? Anxiety tends to get worse when we when we avoid the source
2: of anxiety. I mean, that's that's the that's mm-hmm. the simplest way of putting it. A lot of so um I, I am going to get a little technical here. Mm. Uh, my part of my training background is heavily rooted in something called cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which I, I I I think a lot of people misunderstand because if you if you do it well, it's extremely flexible, it's extremely client centered, it's extremely mm. it's extremely humanistic, um, and but a lot of people apply it wrong, uh, and I know the creator of cognitive behavioral therapy, Aaron Beck, would agree, uh, because I heard him say it. <laughs> um, if flexibility a good source is, what's that i said it's a good source yeah 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 well i was trained <laughs> by one of his students no. uh, but the um but um one of the things to think about there is the the way he defines fear versus anxiety fear is a present focused emotion i am in fear of something that is happening right now Anxiety is a future-oriented emotion. I am afraid of something that may happen or has a likelihood of happening. Mm -hmm. And any emotion, both fear and anxiety, can be really adaptive when they're working right. All emotions have a function when they're working right. But I I I like to liken both fear and anxiety to a smoke alarm. (laughs) When that smoke alarm is going off, it's unpleasant... But it may have just saved my life. When that smoke alarm is going off when I'm boiling pasta because of the steam, that is a problem because it's not working the way it's supposed to. And that's where we get anxiety-based disorders. We're mm-hmm. avoiding something because the smoke alarm's going off all the time when it shouldn't be. Um, and unfortunately, of av- so often with anxiety-based disorders avoiding the thing that's making us irrationally anxious not rationally anxious because there are things to rationally be anxious about (laughs) (laughs) um avoiding that source ends up kind of perpetuating and amplifying that anxiety and we can it it just get it can get worse and worse and worse and worse
1: definitely um and that's where it's, it's so important to kind of be able to look at those underlying issues that play into this. So if we talk about that smoke alarm going off, you know, uh, in therapy, we often look at historic issues that have caused that smoke alarm to be super sensitive, right? And so sometimes there's smoke, sometimes it just looks like there might be. And because of our history with fire, even if it looks like there might be smoke, we can get super worked up about that. And there might not be. So, what cognitive behavior therapy does is it helps people look at their thought patterns and whether those are a little bit, um, if those are kind of based on the historical experience or the current present reality, and kind of teasing those apart can really help.
2: And uh, you know, uh, additionally, there's uh, there's a things called there's basically a way of generalizing anxiety. And um, like if we if we think of if we think of anxious uh, anxiety provoking situations as a series of events, um, one I often go back to when I talk about this is being scared to go to school because you're afraid of something. Let's say, well, I mean, not to get too personal, in my case, being bullied, I was bullied pretty hardcore. Mm.
1: Um,
2: And so it's one thing you know let's i start getting anxious when i first get to school because i have the expectation that i'm going to get bullied okay but if i try avoiding that a little bit suddenly i get negative reinforcement is a good thing by the way generally speaking another word for negative reinforcement is relief okay when most people use the word negative reinforcement what they really mean is punishment but it's technically wrong <laughs> um so anytime i avoid i successfully avoid this the anxiety provoking situation it reinforces that behavior because i found relief Mm -hmm. okay so i'm probably going to do that relief providing behavior again but if i suddenly maybe call in sick to you know fake being sick to school which i absolutely never did yeah ever at all Mm -mm. (laughs) um it brings me relief i don't have to face that thing and i'm less like i'm more likely to use that in the future but maybe now i start going to bed feeling anxious about waking up in the morning and now my anxiety is getting worse because it's kind of traveling back further in the sequence to the point that maybe as soon as school is done i start getting anxious about the day the next day before i've even left the school um so yeah, that uh, that avoidance can uh, can really perpetuate more anxiety.
0: Mm-hmm. The, you you literally were describing like me in elementary school. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> no, I got a
2: feeling a couple people are gonna be like, yeah, well, I'm in this. No, I, I'm I've in this stream it, the... and I don't yeah. like it. Report, report,
0: report. report, <laughs> report. <Yeah. laughs> uh, where 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 do you guys want to go? Because there there is the catastrophizing and the all or nothing part of this as well
1: yeah let's look more closely at some of those cognitive distortions that's what they're called um these thoughts that kind of um aren't based in reality but they feel very real in terms of how we're thinking in the moment so yeah
2: well what you're you're the practitioner what do you want to say on this
1: what do i want to say um well so when we have these thoughts and feelings, um, they're very real to us. So, for example, a way of operating in the world might be based on an underlying thought. For example, um, people aren't safe. You know, I'm uncomfortable with people. People aren't safe. There's a mistrust there. And that's a broad underlying feeling that maybe comes from having not felt safe growing up right? And Mm -hmm. it could be in your home, it could be uh, outside of your home, it could be that your parents had a lot of trouble with um, not feeling safe in their neighborhood for some perhaps very good reasons, but so we end up coming into the world feeling like the world generally isn't such a safe place. Uh, So then it's harder to trust people, and it's harder to get one's needs met, but that's the underlying feeling. So then when you work with someone who's experiencing this, we look at how true that is, and it might be very true of their daily experience, right? Um, I work with people of color. I'm a person of color. I certainly haven't always felt safe, and it's not in my head, right? So that's, that's one thing, is to really understand the context of a person's experience in order to separate it from cognitive distortion, because it might not be a distortion at all. So when you proceed in terms of your own experience of working with someone, it feels real to you and it absolutely might be true of, of your experience in the world. And then, but there's also the times when it's actually not true. So um, you might have an idea that you can't ever talk to your professors because you had this one teacher in grade school who was truly awful to you and so it's really scary. And you think of people who are educational authorities as being unsafe. That is based in experience. So it was true at one point. So mm-hmm. this is the piece that one works with in therapy. It's like, what do, how do I undo and make sense of historical experience versus today? And then how do I make sense of the thought process? Because it could be catastrophizing. If I talk to this prof, they'll know that I'm really stupid and then I'll actually do worse in future exams because now they really won't take me seriously. Or if I ask my boss for help in this one thing, then they might really think that I'm dumb and that they should never have hired me um, and and I should know this stuff already. And so we can see where the catastrophizing takes us, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and the all or nothing thinking can look like... um, I have now spent today not doing this one task, so forget about it today's over i'm not going to worry about it or it's like it's monday morning and i've all i'm trying to you know eat healthy but i've already eaten a piece of cake so forget monday and oh tuesday doesn't matter we'll just start next monday and that's all or nothing my thinking. whole week is blown right. they're, they're like
0: like even with the teacher when it's like oh the teacher said hi back to me not hello they're they're <laughs> they're they're done i i can't talk to them <laughs> Right.
1: It's so easy. And that's where therapy can help us kind of unpack some of our own trigger points in it. Like, what does it mean when someone says hello um, in a certain tone, you know, that sets Mm -hmm. us off? Uh, Well,
2: and it, it and so one of the one of the questions that I've already seen come up in the chat is does does this one thing mean this other thing? The, the tricky thing about all of this is no one thing means anything in psychology like any diagnosis any behavior is a whole constellation of different things if it was as simple as you know do one thing and all would be healed um i'd have a lot more hats on that wall um <laughs> just and the wall would be bigger uh there there would be a in-ground pool uh there We'd be rich. I mean, if we could solve everybody's problems that way, we yeah. would be rich. But it's really complicated, and people can do really similar behaviors for very, very different reasons. Very different reasons. So, I, I actually, I want to ask Mitra. Hey, Mitra. I, gotta do, hey, I just got to do the Harry Carey thing. Hey! Hey! <laughs> hey, Mitra. If If someone comes to you with an avoidance behavior...
1: How do you figure it out? I have to get to know them a little bit first, but then I'll look at what they want to accomplish and achieve, and I'll look at what's in the way. So it won't be about, because um, people often come in feeling like they're failing. They can't do things. Um, but we'll look at what is stopping you? What is interfering? You have a goal, a thing you want. What's actually interfering with you doing the thing? So that it's not about you're a terrible person, you're failing, you're lazy, you're this, you're that. Because these are all the negative messages that we give ourselves. But it's more like... You don't know me. What?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I know me. <laughs> I've said a lot of those things to myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, like, I, I've i 100% done the, oh, well, I screwed up and ate that thing today, so ah, I'll just have whatever. I, I want didn't exercise
2: today. That. I can't exercise ever <laughs> again. I didn't do all 100 push-ups. I am a failure.
1: <laughs> exactly. We judge our success on fa- and failure on such on margins that don't always make sense, like, at all. So... Now so somebody what, mentioned they couldn't hear me very well. I'll bring the mic in a little closer because I kind of am my own tech support at the moment. <laughs> so let's hope that helps. <laughs> Sounding good.
2: But like, how do you how do you help people figure it out? Like one of the again back when I worked with people, one of the biggest challenges I saw from folks um, so commonly was this idea of um, outcome versus process. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you help, you know, I'm, if I don't, if it's, it's the Ricky Bobby thing, if you ain't first, you're last.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Well, first of all, this is where context becomes super important, right? So, for example... And I've actually had people who say things like this. It's like, uh, well, I just feel I'm not getting ahead in my career sufficiently, and I'm not doing this, that, and the other, and I'm not achieving these milestones that I should have achieved by this age. 25, I should have figured out my career, you know, or at least one of them, right? Um, the thing is, we're not taking into account the context of our lives. So somebody might say that, and I may be like, yeah, but you know, your father died six months ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Or um, but your mother's been sick and you've been, you know, taking care of her or this or, this, or your partner lost their job and you have now had to take a second job to help them. So that other thing you were hoping to do career wise, you're not able to do or you moved to like, a new like, house and neighborhood.
0: Like this last year is like a big example. It's something I kept telling people I'm just like, if you're not feeling productive this year, there is a global pandemic going on no one is feeling as productive as they were hoping to be. Don't worry about it.
1: Right, and people do tend to forget there's a pandemic, not in terms of their behavior, but in terms of the impact this is having on their developmental course, if you will. This is a
2: global generational trauma. It is, Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely. I expect and I anticipate, unfortunately, that people are going to come out feeling that trauma and to expect otherwise and to expect more of yourself while you're tackling something so heavy um, is, is really, it's unfair. We do that. We sort mm-hmm. of create a version of reality that doesn't include the parts that we've maybe normalized because they're all around us and we're so used to not seeing them, um, or we somehow forget because they're not part of our overall history. So Mm -hmm. the pandemics lasted, you know, a year and a half now, almost uh, a year and a bit. Um, And so in the course of our lives, that might be quite a small portion of our lives. So we have this idea that I should still be doing X, Y, Z, but we're not going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's not our fault. It's just life.
2: Yeah, And there you're bringing up an interesting thing, because, I mean, we talked about we talked about locus of control earlier, and it's. I don't know if this is a North American thing, but a lot of the folks I talk to get stuck between this is the all or nothing thinking. Um, like mm-hmm. you have an internal locus of control or you have an external locus of control but really they, it's a continuum and Definitely. this is where um, you know about 30 odd years ago uh, Buddhist mind, Zen Buddhist mindfulness started really being brought into certain practi- uh, practices of psychology yeah. particular particularly something called dialectical behavioral therapy and um they 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 talked about things like radical acceptance and what they mean by that is accepting all facets like a d20 all the sides are real all the sides are true why are you only looking at the one it's not, it's not a one or a 20 it's everything in the middle so there are truly things we don't have control over and there are some things we do and recognizing them both honestly is a huge struggle.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, because we want to believe we have control sometimes when we don't. Um, because it's too painful to think that we don't. So, for example, say we're going through a difficult breakup or we're having challenges in a relationship. We might want to believe there's things we could have done differently. Um And I I see this sometimes when people are experiencing challenges in a relationship that's maybe had some toxicity or abuse in it, where it's like, well, if I didn't do this thing, maybe they wouldn't have blown up at me. No, they are responsible for their response to you and in the world, and they can determine what that looks like, and you don't have control of that. You can only think about your response and your behavior. And even if it upsets someone, they have a responsibility to figure out how to express that upset in a way that is constructive. So, you know, that comes back to what's my locus of control? Um, And even if a relationship is really difficult or painful, it's not my fault necessarily. There's nothing i can do about how other people choose to behave mm-hmm. so you know,
2: there's actually uh, i we're getting a little bit um a little bit
1: off track well no yeah, I, I was going to move <laughs> us over
0: to questions in a moment okay. but yeah. <laughs> there
2: is Sorry, one book that this. i think is go. really poignant right now and every every psych student knows this book probably every psych grad student has read it but the first two-thirds of it are tremendously valuable, if a very difficult read because of the subject matter. And I think, Mitra, you probably know which book I'm going to say because it's just so famous in the world of psychology, Man's Search for Meaning. Absolutely. Um, if it, It's a tough read because it was written by a Viennese psychiatrist who, who survived... Um, b- I think, four concentration camps in World War II. Oh. But he came up with this way of finding hope and meaning in the the worst of circumstances. And oh. um, that is a powerful message right now, not only for our own mental wellness, but also um, that hope and meaning gives us the ability to move forward and, um, and basically avoid avoidance. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, okay, so let's go through a couple of these questions because I think they have uh, they can listen to some good things about uh, strategies to possibly overcome this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, Babylon Ranger 2261 says, uh, what about when you say, I'm going to get back to that later and then get so distracted that you never get back to it? Because I do that a lot.
1: <laughs> I understand that one. Uh, so what are you distracting yourself with would be my first question and is that working for you and if it is if it's like a really great break you know you could consider setting a timer Um, you could consider some ways to kind of um, manage your time such that it fits so there Mm -hmm. could be a natural break like I'll do this thing that's pleasant I'll have dinner and then I'll get back to the thing. And so they've got that dinner piece in the middle. So either a timer or some way to change it up. I'll do that thing, set a timer, go for a walk, you know, some way to change it mm -hmm. up so that you can transition better to the other task. Because transitions help.
0: Yeah, no, that that actually works really well with uh, what uh, Monkey House has. Uh, question is, which is how do you successfully move from distraction uh, and avoidance if you've uh, been largely successful in spite of using them? So, like, basically, how do you move away from it? How do you? Well, that's my my first suggestion is going to be um, because everything
2: is so individualized. If you're concerned about your, what you need to be doing, find a good mental health professional who can work with you get to know you better get to understand your motivations in a way that stri- that a couple of streamers cannot um the um they are going to be able to get into the nitty-gritty in helping you because there's a, like we've said there's a lot of different reasons people can do the same behavior um but i will answer for me because of my inattention symptoms what I what I do is I count things. Like I, I I I try and make quantifiable the things that I do in a given day. And one of those things may be even rating my own emotional output or outcome. Mm-hmm. Like if I do X behavior on a scale of one to ten, what's my distress level later? Yeah. If I do Y behavior what's my distress level later on a scale of one to 10. And Mm -hmm. if I over time successfully figure out that one of those behaviors results in less distress, even if I'm just as successful, I want to really gravitate towards the one that gives me less distress and same success level. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. I can say that quite honestly, I used to have terrible trouble with um, distraction and um, it took me a long time to realize and this was when i was younger fortunately before i became a therapist but uh, i used to have um, a lot of avoidant behaviors because i would be feeling super anxious about something Um, and the something wasn't even necessarily directly connected to the task i was doing so i wouldn't necessarily for example be anxious about going to work but i would have terrible trouble leaving the house to get going because my state of internal overwhelm was so high. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, then if I made myself late for work, as you can imagine, that just made the day worse. It took me a long time to figure out that part of being an adult is taking yourself in hand, taking that small, slightly dysregulated internal child self sometimes or a self that's not coping very well and sort of saying, okay, We need to do this differently so that you can cope better with today. What are we going to do? You know, and you have within you that capable adult self, and you have within you that highly anxious self sometimes that is maybe connected to something else. You know, the anxiety you might be experiencing could be due to something totally different that is outside of your control. But then you end up with these avoidant behaviors because you're so overwhelmed. Like going to work was just like, lots of people lots of activity i was working as a chef in those days and so there's really you kind of have to be on to cope with that and if you're Mm -hmm. feeling at all dysregulated or just anxious it makes it much harder so you can see how the avoidant behavior got connected with that even though the underlying anxiety was not connected to it Mm -hmm. so if that helps Um,
0: oh yeah uh, the, uh, Rogers, seven, seven, three says, well, there's, uh, also using a small task, like doing the dishes to help distract you enough to, I don't, he says, I don't know the term, uh, maybe think more freely or clearly about a problem. I do this at work when I'm a bit peeved about something. Uh, the minor task distracts me from being peeved and allows me, uh, to complete whatever task that's peeved me. I feel like, and again, not an expert at all. Really uh, uh, that sounds like distraction where that is letting your mind you know, recharge uh, from that thought that was causing you problems. Well, it certainly is when I do it. I mean,
2: if I if I do something similar, that's a distraction technique for me um Mm -hmm. the when I get into you know the sort of tunnel vision thought I'm going to mix metaphors here um the hamster wheel just keeps going around and 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 that's Mm -hmm. my way of just kind of slowing down that hamster wheel stopping Mm -hmm. it let the hamster go off for a moment figure out is the wheel really what you want to be doing right now there little buddy and (laughs) then just kind of come back to it if and when you know with a sort of fresh pep and so um yeah, I, for for me, those sort of distraction behaviors are a great way for breaking me out of that sort of hype, uh, in some cases, literally in my hyper focus, because, you know, autism. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: not only that, but they're fantastic for reasserting a sense of control. Remember, one of the things we're dealing with, particularly with avoidance, is feeling out of control in some way, feeling like we're in, a, you know, kind of overwhelm in terms of whatever it is we're trying to avoid. Um, so if we can do a task that's small and simple and con- concrete, right? We can feel a lot better. We can feel like we've done something that we could do that that feels good to get those tasks out of the way. They're a break. We're standing up when we're doing the dishes. So we're using our body differently. And that also really helps with the, um, with becoming more regulated physically. So. Yeah, going for a walk, any little task that is a break acts as kind of a bridge to another activity and can be a place to rest, so.
2: Yeah, if it makes me feel more empowered versus disempowered, Mm. then I'm probably going to do it again. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, That's at least a hint to me, if I feel more empowered, that it's more of a distraction versus avoidance behavior.
0: Uh, th- th- this is personal situation but like I-, I remember I had a very important email uh that I got and essentially it was just like it, it was is like hey um we're we don't we're not gonna go with this idea do you have another one they're like we want another pitch and we need it now <laughs> and I was just and like I paced the entire length of my house just like okay got a thing gotta gotta do oh oh my god <laughs> and-, and I literally just stopped and went I'm taking a shower and i went and took a shower. <laughs>
2: Person. And I came
0: back out and went. I know everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I typed Yay! up like a two thousand word email.
2: <laughs> the, the shower is your matrix. Whoa. The, yeah.
1: Whoa. <laughs> it's like a portal.
0: I know. E- I
1: know emails. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, uh, be- because of time that is going to be the last question that uh, we do for the day we had plenty of other ones thank you all for putting those in we really do appreciate it we're, we're sorry if we're not able to get to yours um, but uh, Mitra, Dr. B where can people find you on social media uh,
1: so Mitra Jordan is like uh, at Meter Jordan, it's <laughs> a good place. You can DM me there. Um, I also have meterjordan.com which is my website, and there's contact information on there. Should you like to get in touch, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yeah. Um, of course, make sure to follow Take This on all the socials at Take This org. But if you want to follow mm. me, I'd be real so
0: grateful about it. And I'm right there <laughs> cool. at, at for, for for podcast listeners. Who would that be? Well, that would be the Doctor B. Yeah and i am going to um, just continue
2: hit my own microphone like it's <laughs> you're you're going to play us out there we go um, let me play you the song of my peeps my people clumsiness <laughs>
1: <laughs> my peeps
0: my peeps i love it I don't we're know. using yeah.
1: it we're keeping it yeah, the peeps
0: uh, 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 d- around uh, around easter there'll just be a bunch of little peeps behind him oh god
2: um, oh <laughs> marshmallow abominations unto the lord
1: this is your peepsel. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> they had to strong. make an appearance.
0: <laughs> they, gotta, they gotta be there. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on uh, the Difficulty Class podcast every Friday and also on Champions of Lore every Monday at 11 PM Pacific Standard Time on this Twitch channel. Uh, and I'm also on Twitter at the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there uh i want to thank jay for moderating in the chat you always do an amazing job and wouldn't be able to do these questions without you uh thank you to codename entertainment and take this for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions uh and uh big news for it uh if you missed any part of this you'll be able to catch it later as a podcast on your favorite podcast services because we finally got that feed going uh so at 2 p.m the same day these uh, are streamed, the, that episode will go up as a podcast episode on any of the podcast services you might list to. If, but if there's one that you are using that isn't on there, let me know, and I'll do my best to get it uh, on that service. Uh, and if you have any topic suggestions for what we you might see in the future or here in the future... You can send those into Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com, and we would love to take a look at them. Uh, if you are live with us here in the chat, be sure to come back at 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time for Bardic Inspiration with Dylan and Jason Miller. And if you're listening to this, we would love to see you uh, in the chat with us next week and uh, have some good conversations about mental health. Uh, but until then, take care of yourself.